Greetings, ladies and mendigants, and welcome to this latest episode of Tales from Outer Space. Taken from the subreddit HFY. The links to all the stories will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider subscribing. Story number one, Human Secret Technology, written by Teratoxin. When humanity first came in contact with the aliens, there was one race that wished to go to war with us immediately upon learning of our existence. Other races tried to dissuade them, but they had no success. It seemed that they considered us too close to their own homeworld and wanted us gone. All negotiations failed. So humanity built a fleet the best we could and sent the fight to Odara. They had more manpower, better ships, more ships, centuries of warfare in space, and all we had was a hastily cobbled together spaceships. More slow freighters than warships. Any warrior that qualified for space combat was cramped into these ships and her hopes that they could board one of their ships and steal their superior tech. When our fleet met theirs, that hope died. Their ships were massive and surely had more warriors on them than all of our ships combined. However, they did not seem to target our ships and react to them at all. No readjustments or to our positioning, no fire coming our way. Nothing. Perhaps a display of honorable action on their side to give themselves a handicap. Our ships decided to see how far they could exploit this and soon found themselves behind the enemy fleet with a clear path to the homeworld's defensive network. Still, no movement from the Dara fleet. Since humanity's fleet could not stop these ships if they started ahead for Earth, our fleet headed to their defensive network, hoping that whatever stopped them from attacking our fleet would apply there too. Soon after, the human fleet approached the Adara defense net, or rather, defense nets. They seemed to be very cautious species, Many distinct layers of defense clustered around the system and especially around the home world. However, the only ones reacting to it were static, low-powered space cannons that were easily outmaneuvered. Soon, the human troops landed on Adara's home world. It was surprisingly easy to locate the seat of power, a building that had been shown many times in the negotiations. Earth troops landed on the roof of the Grand Emperor's Palace and, despite losing over two-thirds of our troops in the following close-quarter combat, managed to take the Grand Emperor Haladan and several of his family hostage. Negotiations resumed and showed a much more favorable result for humanity. The Dara surrendered and the other radiant races were under the assumption that we had a teleportation technology. How else could we just appear in a highly defended homeworld? After some investigation from our experts in xenopsychology, or a rather new field, strategies and representatives of the Council of Technology, it was discovered that all species eventually discovered design automation, a way to create AIs that would design ships, homes, factories, toys, anything based on a list of prerequisites. These AIs created as close to a perfect solution as possible, while still being pleasant to the creator species. If a result wasn't the species liking, the AI would simply be given different parameters and would create a new design. Humanity, however, was too primitive to rely on such technology, but it existed in a primitive form. We copied the automation AI from Adara and adapted it to our own designs. All ships and space stations were fitted with an identity beacon by the AI. The beacon was used for long-range communication, emergency signals, AI piloting, coordinations of troops and uh, humanity didn't have them. 
So, in a perfectly designed scan, has only picked up our fleet as small asteroids and never even displayed us to Orderer. The only parts of the defense net that activated were simply automated anti-asteroid turrets. Humanity would be damned if we revealed the secret teleportation technology to anyone. End of story number one. Story number two. Exotic Pets. Written by Apophis Pegasus. Hmm, I said, oh, that's a human. Yeah, they're kind of cute, but they're more trouble than they're worth for a customer of your, um, caliber. What do you mean? I meant that cute little thing is one of the most dangerous organisms in the galaxy. This brings we sell them to tend to be expert game wardens, nobility, lancetai, those sort of people. How bad could they be? Those little buggers come from a Delta-class celestial body. Yeah, really. Horrible weather, supergravity, noxious atmosphere. The works. These things evolved in hell and act like monsters. You can't put them in cages, they'll escape. You can't leave them sharp instruments within ten clicker radius of them. Heavens help you if you do something flammable nearby. One of my customers bought one as a hunting practice for his katog. Sold that one to him to a couple cycles ago. Fine beast, good coat, packed with muscle. He brought the human back to his estate and let him loose in the Kotok forest's disclosure. Thought it would be a good hour of entertainment. The human ate it. The human found a stick, poked it more holes in the hijack puzzle sculpture in the beast's triple its size, and then he ate it. Not enough for you? Fine. I had a little Nasta come in here, asked for a human for one of the great games, said that it was warm-up for the crowd. See, a little spilled blood before the main event. I was wise to the human's act now and warned her repeatedly. Reinforced the cage, used pole weapons for the spirit's sake. Don't give it a weapon. Damn fool shoved it into the arena against Paul Bracker with the short swords and gave it a club. Can still hear the shells crunching. Then, instead of getting a sniper to pop off the damn thing, the Lanasta decided to have it fight the rest of the gladiators. Oh, how did it do? Well, she went bankrupt after losing all of her stock. You tell me. But don't let the savagery fool you. There's some sneaky little bastards. Sold my third human to a verdant corsier. Yep, two heads, fur cape, platinum-coated armor. The works. Great tipper. They wanted it for their collection. Apparently, they thought chaining it up in full display in the ship's dining room was a good idea. Remember what I said about no sharp objects? Yes, well, if they had listened, the 8th sector still wouldn't be cordoned off. How was it able to reach the weapons console? I still have no idea. I mean, it must have been at least four times its height, and those corsairs are like polish their bridges smoother than... Uh, pardon? Do they breed? Well, oh boy, they meet with everything. They'll copulate with anything with an orifice if you let them get bored enough. You remember that scandal with the Lundarian noble house and half a cycle ago? Yeah. Sold them one too. Apparently, the woman of the household doted on it. A little too much, if you catch my drift. Why? Well, well, you see that antennae? That's not an antennae. There we go. As I said, Delta-class planet natives. Hell, I'm thinking of writing a book. So you bought your humans. Rules for the uninitiated. So, do you maybe want to interest yourself in some more benign beasts, yes? We have some new stock of satarian sand demons, fresh and dust from the- What? Did you listen to nothing I said? 
Yeah, what now? Fine, it's your funeral. Wait, wait, wait for a human to be between seven and ten business cycles and... No, 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 you only want one. Trust me. End of story number two. Story number three. We do. Written by Escandalia. The Admiral of the Empire of Chains burst through the door, nearly knocking it off its hinges. Behind him marched a half-dozen honor guard in full military garb, covered in scars, blades of the sides, and hands of the hilts. Claire, the lone human diplomat in the room, representing all of humankind, stood to greet them. Her quiet voice broke the tension. Admiral, this is a negotiation. There is no need for weapons. The Admiral peered down at her and cackled. You do not respect our culture. We shall not respect yours. I will not sit face to face with my enemy without a guard and a weapon. Your rules will not have you if you offend me. Very well, Claire said calmly as she gestured to the chairs before them. Can we at least sit? The Admiral grunted as he took his seat, flanked on either side by his guard. This entire exercise is a waste of time. Your primary terms are unacceptable. Claire cleared her throat. We have found that whatever we encounter in new empires such as yours, there is inevitably conflict over the issue we raised. We are trying to prevent that, but, um... The Admiral smirked. Yes, there will be conflict. Our empire is ten thousand light years wide and thousands of years old. We know the stakes, diplomat. The Admiral spat as he addressed Claire. Your empire is new, half our size, and have a tenth of the soldiers we have. You come to us with terms, and we have humored you. But now this, after we have met and discussed these terms, we will reject them and return to our hordes. You will join our empire and clean scum from our hyperdrive lines until your blood boils from radiation. Claire cleared her throat again and interrupted. Excuse me, but we're not an empire. We're an alliance. The Admiral coughed. An alliance? Yes, an alliance. With mandatory preconditions for negotiation peace that demand we abandon our culture. I know an empire when I see one diplomat. Claire's face grew stonier as she stared. Now you know what kind of neighbors we can have peace with and which we go to war with. Now that we share the border, we need to know each other will be. Thus the terms... As for culture, if you consider our terms a violation of your culture, that bodes poorly for peace. The Admiral stared back, smiling at the guard who stood, ready as if expecting to fight at any moment. Do you hear this human, this uh, diplomat? She thinks that she can make demands of our empire after we conquered their allies. The Gaul. A few soldiers stepped forward to begin to draw their blades, but the Admiral laughed. No, let her live to see what becomes of her threats. The Admiral slammed his fist on the table, smiling at Claire Jump. Happy to get a reaction. How it will go now? Tell your soldiers to fear. We give them no quarter to our enemies. He turned and began marching out the room as the honor guards turned to follow him. As he reached the door quietly, the human diplomat replied, Tell your soldiers we do. The Admiral paused briefly as the diplomat continued louder. Tell them that in the midst of battle, in the mud and flames, when they feel alone and no longer believe in your flimsy cause of war, they can throw down their arms and find friendship. When they no longer fear the whips in your chains, they will turn to us and find warm, dry quarters, hot food and peace. They will be taken to our homes, educated by our finest schools and helped with our best doctors, loved by our people. 
They will work for pay and not for food. The Admiral stood hand on the door as his guards paused, looking not at him, but at one another. Please remind them that, as you have made so clear, if your sight prevails, our homes will be scorched and all the beauty they'll come to know of a free life will be wiped away in an instant, along with their lives. But if we prevail, they will live in a galaxy where freedom is granted to all, and they can return to their families, not as battle slaves, but as free men and full citizens. Do you think that they'll help us? Your slave army, do you think that they will know how to turn the tide? Do you think you'll stand against us when every slave empire we've faced has fallen before us? The room was silent as the Admiral's guard dropped their hands from their blades and turned to the human. The Admiral's hand fell from the door. Slowly, he turned to face the human as well. Now, Claire said, passing papers across the table, sit back down. We were discussing the terms of peace which starts with the release of your slaves. End of story number three. Story number four. I saw a human once, written by Techie Dad. I saw a human once. I was on the plains of Jakar during the Dak War. The Dak had hired humans to provide the role of medic in their army. I know it sounds odd, but uh, instead of allowing those wounded in battle to live or die by the gods seeing fit, these human medics treated the wounds, helping them recover. It did not increase the Dak firepower in any noticeable way. I had been hit by a coupon. Death was imminent, but I was prepared to slide into the great everything. I saw a strange being approaching. It was wearing body armor painted with a red boxy symbol, similar to a target. I know, no, that was the human, and the symbol was called the Red Cross. I succumbed to unconsciousness and wasn't aware of what happened next. Apparently, I was taken to a field hospital. There, human medics treated my injuries. They had insisted that they be allowed to treat the wounded on both sides, and had put it into their contract with the DAC. Of course, since they could treat the DAC during every battle, and could only treat our side when the DAC had won the particular battle, they benefited the DAC far more than they benefited us. When I awoke, I had been moved into a rather comfortable DAC prison camp, where I stayed for the remainder of the war. Apparently, the prison camp had beat human standards as part of their contract, and I was kept healthy and well-fed and with regular activities to prevent boredom. As you know, we eventually agreed to a truce, and we withdrew our troops. The DAC released me to return with them instead of killing me, as was their right, another contract requirement of the humans. I returned home to one that they became my mate, and the gods blessed us with children. Our troops and the DAC were fairly evenly matched, but these human medics, their wounded, were a lot more likely to survive than ours. It didn't help so much that the individual battles, but these injured soldiers returned home, Bring up workers who could then travel to the battlefield to replace them. What's more, soldiers were a little more likely to advance in difficult odds, knowing that there was a better chance of survival if things went wrong. But the real difference is now, when the generations are born, our wounded soldiers mostly died, unless they were lucky like me. The Dak wounded mostly lived and returned home and had children. Those children are now filling the front ranks of their military, at the beginning of the Dak War, our military was slightly larger than theirs. At the end, their military was 50% larger than ours, 
due mostly to losses. But now, they outnumber us three to one. It is fortunate indeed that we have established friendly terms with the DAC in the interim. We are now threatened with a war again, this time from the invading Slef. They believe they can win. Their military outnumbers ours, and their weapons are stronger than ours. I beg of you, hire the humans for the sake of my children, who would never have hatched without them. For the sake of my children's children, who have not yet been conceived, despite the human strange contract requirements, the human medics are worth the price. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please consider supporting the author from the link down below. Otherwise, if you wish to support this channel, there are numerous ways to do so, like liking, subscribing, and possibly even becoming a patron. Otherwise, the easiest way would be to share. And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good one, and I'll see you then. Cheers.